like quiet women. Stay that way. And welcome to the Zero Credits supplemental reading of 1954's The Fast and the Furious, open parentheses, Taylor's version, close parentheses, directed by John Ireland and Edward Sampson. My name, as always, is John. And my name is always Ben Henry. And if you haven't listened to a Zero Credit Supplemental Reading before, this is where me and Henry take the time to talk about something that's culturally important or tangentially related to the Fast and the Furious universe. Now, now, John. Uh, and this is... Oh, yes? We did make a promise that we were going to cover every the Fast and the Furious movie in existence. We did, we did. And this is, by definition a the fast and the furious movie so it's not tangentially related john it is directly related yes it is directly related to our to our mission statement if you have not listened to a zero credit supplement or reading before uh we talk about the thing in its entirety uh so there will be spoilers abound so if you haven't seen this movie in the last 70 years run don't walk to watch 1954's <laughs> The Fast and the Furious. Now, we, we all know that the uh, the standard spoiler rule is 71 years. So <laughs> we're just on the cusp of being able to talk freely about this movie. So please. Yeah, we can only talk about it when the copyright runs out. Right. So please do yourself a favor. Track down The Fast and the Furious 1954, open parentheses, Taylor's version, close parentheses, it is available on Amazon Prime to be free V C B D V. Uh-huh. Oh, Filmbox has it apparently. Oh, I didn't know IMDB does this. You can like see all of the things it's on. It's on Filmbox, Freevee, MGM, Plex, Pluto TV, Prime Video, Tubi, and you can also, if you wanted to pay money. You could rent it also from Prime, even though it's already free on Prime. Amazing. It's also one of those movies that's old enough and not so well-liked that it's probably just on YouTube. Probably so. So, yeah. Um, you touched on the, the directors, John Ireland and Edward Sampson. You touched on them a bit. And I just want to go ahead and let's just name all the stars. Let's just get this out of the way. Um, of course, yes. You got John Ireland as Frank Webster, a.k.a. Bill. In a, in a, Bill in a rare coup of directing a movie and starring in it, a real Eddie Murphy situation. You know, I'm just now realizing that the director's name is John Ireland, and then the star of the movie's name is John Ireland. In the Clint Eastwood mold, yeah. directing a movie and starring in it. Uh, alongside him for the wild ride is Dorothy Malone as Connie Adair. Adair her la no, no, no one's name is said in this movie. I want to stress, <laughs> except for Frank. Yeah, we we hear a couple uh, pseudonyms and we hear Frank and maybe a couple first names, but it's not clear who anyone is. And then I would keep, I would keep naming the stars of the film. However, they all play amorphous cops and or civilians that don't factor in a lot to the plot of the movie at all. 
Yeah, the only one that I would like to call out here is Snub Pollard as Park Caretaker. Oh, was he the he was the janitor guy? He was like, you can't be here, it's closed. He, he was. He's in fact an Australian born an Australian born vaudevillian who is a silent film comedian popular in the nineteen twenties, and of course performed in Pollard's Lilliputian Opera Company. He might be the most famous person in this cast list. It it is entirely possible. I tried to learn a little bit about John Ireland, but I got bored. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't really do much research into the people. I mostly focused on the plot. But I, uh -huh. I think so. The so the the waitress character played by Iris Adrian, who whose name is Wilma Be Belding Dash Waitress. <laughs> oh, it's uh, so she married into the waitress family. Yeah, she married into the profession as as you did back then. But I got the feeling that she was some sort of, like, comedic persona. Because it seemed like they kept trying to give her jokes. Uh, yeah, she had a lot of... Um, I have a note here that just says, Wilma is acting. Oh, she, she's acting, yeah. But I, I, I don't know where to start with The Fast and the Furious 1954. It is... A really weird beast of a movie. Well, I mean, it's 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 incredible we could call it a beast of a movie because it has a blistering 77-minute runtime. Yeah, it's very short, and it's called The Fast and the Furious, and yet the first scene of this movie is so slowly paced. Now, of course... The first scene of the movie is not when the movie begins. Because the movie begins with a truck catching on fire, rolling off a cliff, and exploding as cars go rushing past. And you don't know it yet, but that's important. It looks like it's just B-roll of fast cars and explosions. But it's also... Yeah, the, the, the exploding truck really, really reels you into the movie. And, and it's... Imagine, if you're in 1954, you've never seen anything that crazy. Right, and you... I mean, it's film. It's on film. They really they did that. They burnt that truck. There's no special effects. They did that. There's no special effects. You only saw that if you went to one of the many wars <laughs> that had happened or were happening when this movie came out. Right, and the, the little devil's trick that the movie plays on the audience is like, that's how the movie starts. The credits are rolling. This is very exciting. I can't wait to see how they ramp it up from there. They don't. That's the most exciting the movie ever is. What do you do? You mean that nail biting scene in the diner when she pulls up in her uh, Jaguar race car to a gas station slash diner has a series of awkward conversations about pineapple juice and then people uh, weakly wrestle over a gun that didn't keep your attention? No, uh, probably because before that moment happens, we have a scene in a movie called The Fast and the Furious where a character literally spells her name. I don't, I truly don't remember that happening. It does. It's like she, she, 
so she, I guess this is okay. This is after he punt or, or during at some point, the waitress calls the police and she says, operator. Yeah, it's after it's after they fight. And then she's like, it's okay. W I L M A. Right. Yeah. She says it's W A I T R E S S. Of course. Of course. So yeah, I guess this was after. Yeah. I, so yeah. High thrilling oct- octane action of, of him punching out a truck driver one time. <laughs> and I just got to say, from from the from the opening shots of this movie, gotta love it. This is our first Fast and Furious movie from the female perspective. Yeah. Um, I guess a little background. <laughs> it's it's needed. Uh, j- just a tiny bit, just a tiny bit of the premise. Uh, a prisoner who was falsely accused of murdering a trucker has escaped from prison and he's on the lam and he gives this fake name, Bill Myers, which is fascinating that when you introduce your protagonist, he's under a fake, fake name back then. Like that, that's a mind blower, right? Like he gives a fake name. It's his first words. I mean, sure. I feel like criminals had been portrayed in film. Okay, fine. I'm trying to give this movie a little credit, but to the credit of the film, the most dangerous thing in the world is a trucker with a gun. Uh, yes, this movie upholds a long-standing Fast and Furious... It doesn't uphold it, begins a long-standing Fast and Furious tradition in these movies, which is cars versus trucks. And it's persistent throughout the movie. The she even goes on to say you and trucks really don't seem to get along setting up the entire thesis of the fast and furious series exactly this is the beginning of it he ran a truck off the road allegedly and now he's on the lam and every trucker with on the road is out to get him i thought honestly there was going to be more trucks if if i'm just being honest um, but no, there was a lot of slow car chases. Yeah, you know, cars didn't go so fast back then, even though they were like V12s and got 0.2 miles to the gallon. Uh, they just poured gasoline out of the tailpipe. <laughs> they, were, they, they were not efficient vehicles in the slightest. The fastest of them looked like penises. Yeah. Uh, all of them, all of the fastest race cars just looked like penises because we had a, the barest understanding of aerodynamics. It's... And to me in this movie, there there was a real, it was unclear to me where truckers began and cops ended. I, I think there's a real blending of it because I think even they, they refer to Frank Welker. That's Was that his name? That's the guy from Resident Evil. What's this guy's name? Webster. Uh, they, 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 they refer to Frank Webster as a trucker. Mm-hmm. Is it because he stole the other trucker's gun? I think he was, he was in the past a trucker. I think whoever has a trucker's gun is recognized by the state as a trucker. I think there's a, deep... yeah, that's the license. That's the license yeah. to truck. There's deep lore here, but yeah, he was a trucker who apparently ran another truck off the road, but apparently that. He explains that away in like a sentence and I did not catch it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, at that point, uh, nearing the final third of the movie, I wasn't paying 
No, actually, this was very near the end. I wasn't paying like a ton of attention. Yeah. Uh, but we get that we get the opening scene of him struggling with the gun with someone who might be a trucker or might be a cop. It's unclear. He punches him and puts him into a coma, which is the man is unconscious for so long. I, barely comes back. Barely comes back. The consciousness just comes back to say, "Jack, you are." And then the cops just comes back. (laughs) That made me so mad. He comes back to say, it's a movie about cars. They're chasing down someone in a race car. It's, it's a car thing. He's like, Jag. And they're like, Jag, huh? What could he mean by that? Jag, strange. Jag, (laughs) Jag, you are horrible. Yeah. Uh, A lot of this plot hinges on the waitress believing the trucker say referring to connie's car as a jalopy and so they're they're (laughs) so stupid they're looking for an old rundown car but but connie drives of course as we we have established a jaguar race car because she is a racer yeah like i said one of my favorite things about this movie and we haven't seen this and we have to give props for it too this is largely a fast and furious movie from the female perspective from the standpoint of a deeply competent female race car driver who is then immediately kidnapped (laughs) by a violent asshole and uh completely overridden and abused for the entire movie yeah uh she she establishes herself pretty early on by like fending off the trucker and his weird advances toward her car or whatever and uh she she's kind of competent she's a little quirky likes the pineapple juice don't know what that's about but then is immediately kidnapped and sidelined and berated at every turn by this fast talking hard-boiled trucker on the run who i do not care for i don't want to go back to the pineapple juice that seemed really read to me like one of those things that was like important societally like pineapple juice had some kind of like ephemeral connotation in the zeitgeist because they keep coming back to it like it's important or it's uh or it's funny i don't know maybe but like yeah. it, it's totally lost to time it's completely lost to time anything that could be said about it is just conjecture i think it means she's a homosexual oh yeah she's an invert <laughs> she's she's a funny girl you know she's funny there's this uh, great example of um, how how humor changes based on like what's in the zeitgeist and like a real rollicking joke in I think the 30s or 40s was uh, a man pulling up to his girlfriend's house and planning to go out but she already had her hat on and apparently this killed this killed because if she's already got her hat on it wasn't his idea to go out no that isn't it apparently when you have your hat on you're like expecting to go to a show and it was the most hilarious thing in the world to be like she already knew she wanted to go to a show and it's like so much of the context of that has been lost to history i feel like the pineapple juice is like one of those things I I, they go back to it so many times okay uh 
Yeah, it must be it must be a knee slapper. It's a crowd pleaser in the audience. Uh, we just don't understand it. I th- I was looking for societal clues, and all I found was a jalopy speeding around the mountain pass. All I all I found was the jalopy, but she's kidnapped by this ogre who proceeds to. Uh, like physically manhandle her in a way that made me so, yeah. uncomfortable. Made me super uncomfortable. I watched this movie with my with my wife, Jamie, and uh, she had tons of really great comments about all of the treatment of her of the of the lady. And, but she actively was cheering for Connie for trying to sneak out the window at the gas station. She's like, "Yes, be proactive. Try to get out of there." Here's what's so, here's what's so fucked up. A woman is kidnapped, and her trying to escape from the bathroom of a gas station to escape her kidnapper played as a total joke. Yeah, like he walks in from off frame to be like, "Ah, you joint in the place," and it's hilarious that she has to like crawl back in the window to go back in the car with her kidnapper. Yep, yep. Uh, the, the really great look into society's view of women at this time is that at no point is her kidnapping treated like a kidnapping. They just automatically think she's in cahoots. Yeah. This is never an issue of this man. We suspect to be a murderer has also kidnapped a woman. It's this person we suspect to be a murderer has an accomplice. This woman, this woman and this man are on the run. They're they're heading to Mexico and an old jalopy. Please be on the lookout. And you know, if you if you're a cop and you pull over a car for a routine traffic stop because one of their taillights is out and they're acting weird in the car, maybe make a note of it. I don't know. Maybe get the license plate number. Who knows? You know? There there's just so many mo- moments early in this movie where like and you know, I don't think that anyone is like a fragile little snowflake and I think that movies beat people up but like there's a there's a level of aggression in the way that she is manhandled that you don't see people manhandle each other on screen anymore i'm like uh (laughs) there were moments where i was like unhand her yeah get your meat hooks off this isn't this is not visually cool and is pretty upsetting and i don't think she needs to be protected she signed up for this but I'm like, don't handle people that way. Right. Uh, there's a couple of problems with Frank's plan that he's doing. He needs mm. a car to go to Mexico because once he's in Mexico, he's a free man. He can't. They won't follow him there. At no point does he need the woman. Yeah, he. I. I really don't know why he kidnaps her. Is it because? This is really twisted logic. As soon as he gets to Mexico, he's going to give her the keys back and be like, all right, you go back. (laughs) I I used you as a hostage, but bye. I needed you as a hostage, even though at no point did anyone ever think you were a hostage. They always thought you were an accomplice. (laughs) I mean, it, it, it is entirely possible that that was his plan. I will say during the times that they were driving... Um, you know, you can't say this movie didn't have special effects because it made uh, abundant use of a green screen, or more <laughs> likely for the time period, a blue screen. Yeah, honestly, it really did. No, could that have been it? No, they couldn't key it out. I don't know. 
It it could they I I truly don't know how that worked. A lot, but it it was early days of driving a car in front of a green screen, and you could tell they have no fucking. He was all over that green screen road. He was jerking the steering wheel back and forth like crazy while the car was still totally straight in relation to the green screen. Yeah, uh, it was pretty ludicrous. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's any time that they're driving and the camera's in their face, it's just like, okay, this isn't really happening. You can see the tears. You can see the tears and the piece of cloth they hung up behind them for the projection or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can tell that like green screen acting is a very new thing because they're reacting to nothing. He's like jerking the steering wheel all over the place. He's drunk out of his mind because everyone in movies was back then. Yeah, absolutely. You had to be. You had to be. You had. To, how else are you going to get through the this terrible dialogue? <laughs> the uh, the completely horrible misogynistic dialogue, which I don't know, starts to seem to enamor Connie over time. Which is weird, right? I mean, yeah, of course it's weird. It's extreme. Here's here's my thing, like. I don't know how much we're going to get into this, but this movie is about, like, there's cars, but it's pretty much about someone falling in love with her cat, with their abuser. Would yeah. you agree? Absolutely, yes. I think this movie wanted to bill itself as a, as a high-octane action film that is a total crowd pleaser. Come see the crazy fast cars. They're faster than any cars we've filmed before. But then all of the action of the film is just these very trite lines back and forth that are supposed to come off as, like, I guess, clever in a way, like a His Girl Friday, My Girl Friday, whatever that movie was. Um, but they just come off as a little bit douchebaggy by Frank. And I'm, I'm saying that by that time standards, not even judging it from a modern lens. Yeah, I, I think, like, e even for the time standards, saying things like exercise is good for your figure, like, that's not, it's not cool. It's just not a cool thing to say. And I think, like, a lot of times we have a tendency, a want, to look at movies that were created at a certain time and judge them through a modern lens. Yeah. And I think that anyone who knows anything would be like, well, you can't judge a movie made at a certain time through a modern lens. You have to understand what was happening societally and the this movie is a rare counterexample to that in that you can judge a movie through a modern lens for being problematic if it's just that yeah like if, if there are problematic elements you're like yeah sure that was much more societally normalized but if a movie's just about the problematic thing you can't really let it go i i think frank webster as a character is supposed to be like this roguish figure that we've seen in movies time and time again the prime example being like a han solo type he's the roguish bad guy kind of turned hero that says a lot of one-liners that are, are are more clever than they are biting but in this case all of his one-liners are more biting than they are anything else like uh so i have an example here uh, an exchange between connie and frank where Connie says, I hate you. Frank says, just hate me all the way to Mexico. Connie says, I not mm. only hate you, I dislike you. And then Frank says, I always did have trouble making friends. 
and it's there's something in this this exchange it's not it's like they're not even talking to each other they're just exchanging the type of dialogue you would think people in the like embody uh, that you think people embodying these tropes would exchange but at no point does it actually feel like they're talking to each other yeah it's deeply archetypical and and we know for a fact that movies like i don't want to act like this movie is some crazy time capsule in the way that we produce and consume art have totally changed movies made during this time period were full of like very real interactions and like real earnesty and like great writing this movie was made not that long ago right but like this movie is just like it's it's just a lot of like catty bad one-liners that are just cringy and annoying just full stop it, all the time it, you want it to have that sparking that little spark of like a back and forth like Oh, it's charged a little bit like that's sexy you know they're they're bantering but the banter falls flat john ireland's performance is very wooden and connie is doing uh -huh. she's doing her best of what what she has but what she has a lot of the time is like little throwaway lines like it figures you know, yeah, no, I mean, I I think I think Dorothy Malone as Connie is like really doing the lion's share of the acting in this movie. And, and to your point, I think that people of the time did have this uh, idea of like, oh, the sexiest kind of dynamic you can have on screen is if a man badly abuses a woman and she kind of verbally chastises him every once in a while. Yeah. And that's considered to be like an equal and sexy exchange of power on the silver screen. A man can push a woman into the bushes and tell her to lose weight. But then she's like, ah, your hair ain't so good, Buster. That's so sexy. I, I, you know, yeah. And... <laughs> like also and it just it just goes to show how our understanding of like power dynamics and relationships have changed oh yeah absolutely like it, in media it's like we used because like sexy power dynamics in media are power dynamics that are like equal right like give and take yeah uh and this is what we thought an equal power dynamic between a man and a woman was <laughs> That's a, an aloof monster who manhandles <laughs> you and a woman who's not willing to say you don't drive car too fast <laughs> so i I'm just going to say there is a give and take here. He gives her the rough side of his hand and she gives him, uh, you know, some verbal comments like, uh, I not only hate you, I dislike you. It's yeah. He manhandles mm, her across the road and she says, you know, such biting things as I guess I should be grateful. You haven't murdered me yet. <laughs> yeah i mean look it, it's totally equal i don't know if you felt this way but as far as their like relationship dynamic went the like i love you now stage happened like a light switch yeah like there was no gradual yeah like her coming to appreciate him maybe him showing that he had like a softer side beyond the physical and verbal abuse she was just all of a sudden all over him yeah 
It it came out of nowhere, and it came after he locked her in a an abandoned shack, saying goodbye forever. You'll never see me again because I got to go win this race. We're gonna get to this in a second because I I could rant for hours about his plan. And and then she burns it. She basically almost sets herself on fire to escape, and then she's like, "Oh, I'm, I got to go save him. He's he's innocent." And I only love him because he's innocent. He's just in the wrong circumstance. Surely they'll understand. I'm just like, I don't know. Who, who cares? It's, 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 so, it's so bad. They share the worst kiss in their first. Also, can we talk about this? Does he kind of start to sexually assault her at one point? Oh, yeah. And, he like, forces a really gross kiss on her? Yeah, he straight up kisses her for no reason really early on. Like, there's not even been so much of a hint of, of like, a charge from her, and he's just, yeah, boom, kiss. It's like, what the fuck? It's not like they kiss. He just mashes his face into hers. It's the worst kiss in all of film. Yeah. I have a note here. They kiss and again, and it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not yeah. good. Then, then the I love uh, you, but yeah, yeah, that's and I wrote they've known each other for one day. They've known each other for one, <laughs> they've been in a hostage and hostage taker dynamic for one day, and yeah. they're deeply in love. To yeah, it's great. Uh, a lot of great small moments that I just. <laughs> I just want, I need to point out, they run into, like, her friend Bruce, and he claims, Frank claims he's from some town, and Bruce goes, oh, do you know my friend Elmo? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't know who that is. And Bruce just says, I thought everybody knew Elmo. And it's just like, <laughs> Here, here's what's insane about that. I thought about that, too. What? And th this is one of those things, I think, where looking at a movie from a modern perspective can get you fucked up. Yeah. Because that seems crazy. I think in the 50s, because I think he says he's from like Redding, like Redding, California or yeah. something. I think in the 50s, that's actually pretty plausible. There were less. Because now like we're, we're, we're all, there's there were way fewer people and we had way fewer distractions. So like if Elmo or whatever is running around Redding and Elmo's a real character, probably everybody does know about Elmo, you know? Okay. Now we don't know about anybody because we send the fucking emojis. We send the fucking emojis. We've replaced our Elmos with emojis in Pornhub. Uh, I don't even know my grandmother's name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know my grandmother's name. Oh, nor Elmo. I just know fucking emojis. But I think... Uh, the kind of turning point of the movie uh, after they've started to fall in love in that very weird, horrible way is when they, and I think this is also when uh, friend Bruce shows up, is the race. Let's talk about this goddamn race. Let's talk about the race. Now, of course, the race is a... Uh, standby in every fast and furious movie and yeah. this of course has one as well now if we're comparing like to like a lot of people have kind of commented that 
since the release of the Fast and the Furious 2001, not Taylor's version, it's a little weird that the race is called Race War. <laughs> oh my god. You know? Um, and nothing is explicitly said, but given the kind of genetic makeup of this film and when it was filmed, I think a lot of people here wanted a different kind of race war. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, you know, did I, it, did I miss uh, it? Did they really call it race war? Yeah. In the Fast and the Furious, they call it race wars. In 2001? Yeah. Oh my god. You have such a good memory. I am 99% certain. I believe you. How could I forget that the race is called Race Wars? I'm sure there's a note somewhere in one of these Google Docs about it. Yeah. So yeah, it's a different type of race war in 1954. Actually, it's the same type of race war. It's still just a race. <laughs> exactly. This, yeah, it's the same type of race kind war. Kind of progressive. To Mexico. Kind of progressive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, kind of progressive. Let I, just, I mean, for the time, think of the race wars they could have been for. I, I just want to back up. I, I, your comment is funny, but before we talk, well, thank you. You're welcome. Before we talk more about the race, I we need to dissect Frank's plan. He's mm -hmm. on the run from the police. He wants to go to Mexico. He steals a girl and a jag to get him there. And then they take off down the highway and they're going so far. They pull over to sleep for a night. That's sure. And then they go into this park and sign up for a race. Hold. They sign up for a race, but part of the race dips into Mexico for a little bit. So maybe he could like peel off during the race and just flee into Mexico. But at uh -huh, no yeah, yeah, yeah. No. at no point I does think it I seem see what like you're say. at no point does it seem like that's his actual plan. His plan seems to be to finish the race, collect her, and then keep going. I don't understand his plan. So here's what's some people might say that his plan is crazy because if your plan is to have a hostage and then drive into Mexico, you might just, with the car you already have, just drive into Mexico without the middleman right? of signing up for a race where if you suddenly disappear into Mexico, people might ask questions. Right. And I think that's somewhat short-sighted. Because have you considered the movie is called The Fast and the Furious? <laughs> I consider it. I don't. What conclusion am I supposed to be drawing? It's not called The Careful and the Well Planned. <laughs> okay. Point, point taken. Point taken. I just. We. So much of this film is bogged down. As soon as they get to the race, he's got to qualify for the race. And then she she's the one who actually was going to race. Like it's her car. She was this was her destination. She knows people. Oh, but here. she can't, Henry. She can't race. Because she's a woman. Not well, that's it's okay. The the movie says yes, the that's movie, part of it. That's the part of it. John, this is okay. not me being misogynistic like you like to suggest. The movie says the course is too dangerous for women drivers. 
Exactly. It's not because she's a woman. It's because the race they designed and then invited women to <laughs> due to no adverse weather conditions is suddenly, for some reason, too dangerous and all lady drivers are bad <laughs> nothing about, they allowed people to sign up for this race knowing exactly <laughs> what the route was and then they're like oh actually it's too dangerous now yeah i i, I i'm imagining the scene now where she's like oh what did it did it rain on the course or something and the man looks her dead in the eyes and just goes no no, it's just it's you know it's just too dangerous. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's just too dangerous for women, lady drivers. Sorry, of course. So that so that is uh, like I said, it's not sexism. It's just you know poor planning. Well, it's just uh, yeah, and, and ladies can't do dangerous things. It's circumstances outside of the race organizer's uh, hands. You know, the course is just too dangerous for women. And what uh -huh. what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So then Frank has to drive. Yeah, and he qualifies. He doesn't seem like a very fast driver. I'm just gonna say it. He doesn't seem like he's all that good at the driving. I think this is something that's maybe worth bringing up in the in the like milieu of Fast and Furious movies generally is uh, there is truly an art to filming a car in such a way that it looks fast. Yeah, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the people, the whoever they hire, we really should know some of these names. The cinematographers they hire for the Fast and Furious movies are masters of the art of making things look like they're going fast and and in a way where you can still track things like it's not like fucking transformers fighting and that you can't make out who the fuck is swinging so props to the modern day fast and furious cinematographers uh whoever the fuck was behind the camera of this film yeah i mean like i i think that Filming a car in such a way that it's obvious that it appears as though it's going fast is an art that was discovered in the 60s and 70s in like the Italian job, and yeah. Bullet, etc. We knew then how to make cars look like they were going fast. In the 50s, absolutely, we had no fucking idea. These cars are probably going blisteringly fast. They're going at like unsafe speeds for the time. But they look like they're going like two miles an hour. Yeah, it is not exhilarating to watch at all. They, yeah, they, they are definitely clocking in a breakneck pace of about 45 miles per hour for the time melting hair raising speeds. Yeah, and they were just burning three gallons of unleaded fuel. <laughs> A minute everyone driving and spectating was getting noticeable brain damage every single day uh but it just it looks really boring and bad yeah yeah oh speaking of cinematographers uh i there's a moment that i love because it's so obviously before like camera school film school was a thing it's very early uh -huh. on in the movie uh, Connie is going to get back in the car after they've driven away for like the first or second time. 
And we cannot see her opening the door to get in the car because she walked around the car and the camera's on the other side and there's no cut to her perspective. But the action is her getting back in the car, but it's just shot at the far distance. Wide shot. Amazing. And it's just like, huh. In a modern film, we would cut to her perspective, see her like opening the, the door, the, the car handle and climbing in. But we just don't get that because they just didn't think to to capture that moment. Because why? Why? I guess why would they? <laughs> I mean, I, I think back then there were definitely movies that would have done that. Yeah. It just wouldn't be like a standard best practice. And if you're making a pretty bad movie, as this one might be, <laughs> right? I'm just not sure you would have been clued into that. Yeah. Also, a fun moment. Uh, they cut to the hospital guy, and the the, the, the guy was put in a coma. He goes, he's sent to a hospital, and his hospital bed is just a normal bed. It's just a. He has like a patterned blanket. He has a headboard. Like it's just some dude's bed. <laughs> he's got like a. Pa- it's it's crazy. My favorite thing about the uh, the arc with the dude who he punches into a coma is all everybody now all your fucking cinema sins or whatever uh every dude who's taken an mma class and me will always say the same things in movies is they'll complain that knocking people out is too easy in movies and has no consequence whereas knocking people out in real life requires like medical attention and can kill someone or give them like some like people just don't get knocked out like people don't have an off switch and this movie gets it in that it appears as though the dude that he punched is maybe on death's door yeah he's barely holding it together barely wakes up to say and then he dies yeah he doesn't die he doesn't actually die he doesn't i'm sorry he doesn't actually die, but for the sake of the action of the movie, he never pops up again, so he might as well be dead. Yeah, he never comes back up. But, like, there was a moment where the police were coming in to question him when he was coming around, and they're like, can he answer questions? They're like, I don't know. You better make it fast. Imply he could yeah. imminently <laughs> die. Look, man, I've only been a doctor for about 20 years, and I've never seen anything like a man being knocked out and coming back around to answer questions so you better make it quick i mean you know if this was um if this was modern film they'd show him getting punched and and then they'd cut in real close to the deli countertop and show him getting million dollar babied on the the deli countertop and that would explain yeah that would explain his rapid decline yeah oh it's it's the uh, yeah it's the um the the better call saul scene in the copy store yeah, a lot, lot of great scenes in movies where people hit their heads on things. Listeners, don't let that happen to you. Wear a yeah. helmet all the time. Wear one of the fashionable, fashionable, very cool helmets that are featured in the movie The Fast and the Furious 1954. you got to be safe. You're, you're piloting a vehicle. Pilots wear helmets, and you're piloting a vehicle. You wear a helmet. I mean, I was going to say the reason why... They're, the cars are filmed from so far away and look so boring is this was still a point in the past where we thought if we get too close to an object moving more than 40 miles per hour, we'd be taken back into the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, more advanced theorems do note that it's 88 miles per hour. 
Yes, no, we did update that in the 80s, and that has proven true since. But yeah. in in the 50s, we were really afraid that something over 40 miles per hour would send us directly into the past. Uh, here, here's a fun fact. When automobiles came out, a lot of uh, articles were released saying the human body wasn't meant to travel that fast. And if you went over 40 miles an hour, the body would just shake apart. <laughs> And it's hilarious to imagine someone in a car getting up to a medium speed (laughs) and just their atoms, they turn into dust. Yeah. There was a a horribly sexist thing that came about later that very similar thing is like, oh, women can't drive. Their uteruses will fall out. (laughs) It's like, what? What is that based on? I mean, it's not the medical community just say women can't do something for a bullshit reason. Yeah. Um, but you know, now we figured it out, and uh, every woman has to put in their <laughs> put on their uterine cage. Oh my god! Every time they get into a, a vehicle, so their uterus doesn't pop out. Yeah. But you know, it's it's no picnic for us either. You know, if Steve we go over three miles an hour. <laughs> We have to wear seat belts. If we go over 40 miles an hour, our balls go back in time. Yeah. yeah but... It's a shame. It really is. They they yeah. took so much from us when they invented the automobile. They really did. They really, they really did. Uh, this movie likes to pay attention to a lot of small details that make no sense. Um, uh, just throwing out one here. Uh, you got to number your car. The numbers are so small, no one can ever see them. There's no reason to number your car. Also, they make a big deal out of him driving away without his numbers. Right, right. And then that never pops up again. And uh, my favorite thing is they show this announcer. They show where this announcer is. He is not up in like a tower or anything. He's on just like a maybe a smallish raised platform. Yet he can see every move of this race. He, he is on a slightly raised platform and can see every turn, every corner, all the way to Mexico. It's fascinating. Um, but uh, another thing, a detail that the movie doesn't pay attention to is the sound mixing. Because at various points during this race, the announcer is calling the moves of the race. And the car noise is so loud, you cannot hear him. Now I, I think that that's actually it's it's a it's a little artistic technique that complements the fact that when it cuts to them in their car, the road is dead fucking silent. Yeah, this is this the is road great. is completely and, yeah. and they it's written into the script that they're in the car and they keep having to say what did you say and there is no, no noise no. at all. It's amazing because the the movie also picks moments to pick and choose. Like okay, they can hear each other. They can do their little barbs. But then it's like, oh, he's driving fast. Now they can't hear each other. And they're perfectly, uh, what's the word, audible. They're perfect. You, yeah, you can to- hear them. total silence. Total yeah. silence around them. And they're being like, what? Yeah. Hilarious. Oh, man. I, I guess this is, we can learn from this. This is why inexplicably and never really established in universe that the people in modern day Fast and Furious movies can understand each other even though they're in different cars. 
Yeah, they really distilled it down to a science to figure out like, okay, well, it's not quite right when they can't hear each other when they're in the same car. <laughs> so what if they can hear each other when they're in different cars? I, I think for one movie, they, they would hold walkie-talkies up while they're driving so they could talk to each other. And then that was quickly done away with. And I just want one scene in the last movie that they're going to make of like, oh, by the way, don't forget to put in your your two-way communicator, like futuristic chip thing on your dashboard so we can talk to each other. I do think it would make a genuinely funny, if expensive, sketch <laughs> to make like a team in cars get deployed and then like the leader or whatever is like okay charles you cut hard right you you hook the safe with the grappling hook and then you and then it cuts to the other person like looking <laughs> through their windshield and they're just talking and you don't hear anything and like, use your walkie-talkie can't i can't hear you Okay, like, what is he, he doing? He, he drives up next to him, rolls the window down, and they're shouting, and there's this wind noise, like, can't hear you, you, points to the walkie, and the guy just is like, all hey, right, just... Shell, you're gonna cut left. <laughs> what am I doing? Be, that would saying? be very good. That would be very good. Pull into the Shell! <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. Uh, this is part of our Fast and Furious themed sketch show, of course. Yeah, laughs in the delirious. <laughs> I mean, it's genuinely a good name. Thank you. I just came up with it on the spot. Anyway, they race and the, then they fuck. The crazy. Th okay, I get it's a Fast and Furious movie. There must be a race. I didn't understand that this was the first Fast and Furious movie. There was only a race. <laughs> yeah. There's really, in Fast and Furious movies, the race is never, like, the point, you know? Right. Like, there's always a thing. Their formula is there's a thing happening in the background that necessitates participating in the race. Right. It's never about the race. No, it, it isn't. Fast and Furious movies are about criminals who are roguish and they got quips and they race and there's a girl and there's a car scene. Uh, this, this movie bucks the trend. There are not gratuitous butts in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give them the pass and that this was in the early to mid fifties before we invented butts yeah so there's no butts but on everything else it's like oh yeah this is absolutely a fast and furious movie the only problem is it's like it just kind of peters out like he he kind of misses a turn like another car crashes he jumps out to save him showing always oh, he's got a heart of gold after all and then she mm, he's a good guy somehow connie catches up to him even though they're in the middle of like the fastest race maybe that just proves how good of a driver she is let's talk about the fact that the the genuinely only cool thing about this movie that got me pumped up was when connie actually got to drive yeah i was like this movie is stating this woman is a good driver and i'm like that's not 
nothing, I guess. But then, once again, it doesn't look cool, and yeah. her driving is only in service of proving the innocence of her abuser, and her ultimate destination when driving is to kiss him. Yeah. So, could be better. Um, couple ending lines here. Uh, you're a pretty dangerous character yourself. And then Connie says, what you really are is worth fighting for. Mm. And then the movie just fucking ends. <laughs> like, they kiss, it ends. It fades to black, and then Amazon Prime was like, perhaps you would like this other garbage. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, right, we did the... Perhaps you would like this other ancient movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, right, we did the credits at the beginning. We did all of the credits at the beginning. We did every credit at the beginning. The movie is over. So you're... you're, so, I, you're I love... Uh... <laughs> Sorry. I, I just love that movies in the 50s can be like, here are the 12 people who worked on the movie. Yeah. And... Yeah, so you're you're in the theater in 1954, maybe 55. And so you buy a ticket to The Fast and the Furious. You you walk in the theater. It's already mid-progress because it's rolling all day. Uh, so uh -huh. <laughs> you watch what you can, and then uh, you get to this climactic thing. It's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And then the movie just fades to black. And it's like, wait. Well, what happens next? Yeah, I mean, in the 50s, like, the movie fades to black after the kiss. You turn to your wife, you say, he should have beat her more. And then you both <laughs> leave the theater to go back to your car that's been running for 90 minutes in 90 degree heat with your kids inside. Oh, God. Well, yeah, it was too dangerous for them to see. Yeah, it was too dangerous for them to see. He Windows rolled up, air conditioning didn't exist. Yeah, your wife says, wow, that was really romantic. And <laughs> you say, oh, you should have beat her more. Oh, man. <laughs> what are the, these, really beat her these liberals in Hollywood not showing the real truth? The... <laughs> Can't anyway, that. honey, do you, do you want to go home and get blitzed out of your mind on barbiturates? I'll go to the office and drink a quart of brown liquor, <laughs> and then we'll meet back up at 8 p.m. And that sounds good to me. That roast better be on the table. Uh, we lived in a truly awful world in the 50s. Yeah. Uh, so this is normal. But don't worry, the kids were in the backyard playing with... Um, <laughs> Wait. knives that they would throw in the air we were gonna other. make the same joke i was gonna say jarts yeah yeah of course lawn darts baby yeah jarts lawn darts the you just throw them up and they come right down <laughs> they come right down right through the skull yeah uh so this is right normally the hyoid bone <laughs> the high ride the what <laughs> right through the unfused hyoid bone uh you're getting very technical on me. Uh, wait, no, the hyoid bone is in the mandible, of course, unfused in teenagers, but fused in adults. Oh, because they were kids. Yeah. So this is normally the part of these where we would update, the, of course, the all-important, all-encompassing corona count. But I forgot, John, this movie came out in the 1950s. And there weren't any depictions of people drinking. That was wrong. What and course, instead yes. there were scenes of men beating women, which was right. 
Yes, of yes. course it was right. So we've updated what we need to do for this episode. No, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, it's just it's deplorable to show a person drinking alcohol in a movie in the same movie where you basically drag a woman across the street kicking and screaming. No, Frank isn't a monster. He doesn't drink. I feel like there were maybe depictions of, I, I truly, my cinema knowledge really picks up in the mid 60s. So I really don't know what the moral landscape of movies in the 50s was. When was pro? But there is no uh, 20s. This was close. Yeah, 30 years later, close. <laughs> That's how history works. There was like a, a weird moralistic like revival of like you can't show certain things in film. There was like a weird puritanical hold. It was like the Wild West forever. Then it got weird. I think this movie, for the time period, pretty sexy. It pretty clearly implies that they fucked. Yeah, but they didn't show it. Yeah, no, it, they didn't show it which is important it was tastefully um, done they faded to black yeah who knows what could have happened in that time yeah but he didn't drink and that's what's important it's important they didn't drink so we didn't have any coronas for this episode i did have two uh american beers which might have been around during the time so hopefully that counts for something oh yeah yeah me too when was fat tire made uh you know probably 1953 oh then yeah really kicked off the american craft beer revolution of the early 2000s so i think probably like 1953 yeah barely made it gotcha uh so yeah the of course i was drinking a carbach brewing cerveza especial yeah that was around uh it was around around uh but yeah so corona count stays the same don't know what we're at didn't check thousand and four uh but we're, we're caught up on that so it's fine are we of course i we i think we're about to get to a pretty important piece of yes. every fast and furious supplementary yes. but yes. i had an important question to ask you okay before we get into it well no there's there's a couple this there's a cu- question was burning in my mind there's a couple oh, more please. there's a couple more things we got to cover before we get to what you're alluding to but yes please ask your question it it burned in my mind the entire time i'm like the 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 echoes you know throughout history okay was frank webster or whatever his name was was he a bad boy with a little bit of panache oh i hear what you're asking um i think he was a little bit of a bad boy maybe i mean maybe a lot of bit of a bad boy i don't think he has panache yeah there was very little panache on display he was kind of a um he was kind of a woman beating brute well yeah woman beating brute with a heart of wood and no emotion in his his lines it really feels to me like he is the invented depiction of like rugged masculinity that like pundits today's harken back she's like that's when we were men but it's a total fabrication propagated by the works of actors such as like clint eastwood etc just him really um 
<laughs> so this really feels like he's that gruff and rough type. And it's just like, well, I don't, he's not a real human person though. is the problem. Yeah, I'd say maybe John Wayne more than Clint Eastwood, but I, I asked this question because I I was concerned that Jason Momoa stutter is coming out. I'm sorry. My concern was that Jason Momoa was doing kind of an also-ran performance. You know how it's widely believed that Andy Serkis's performance as Gollum was actually inspired by the character of Gurgi from The Black Cauldron. Uh, though he has never admitted it, and a lot of people kind of lose a lot of respect for him for not admitting that his influential role as Gollum was inspired by a pretty bad Disney movie. I was concerned that Jason Momoa was doing it also ran, and I'm glad that we're in agreement yeah. that his bad boy with a little bit of panache is entirely original. Entirely the Joker. Original. Entirely original. It, there, there's nothing. Oh God! Nothing. Oh God! That he is being inspired by. Right. Entirely, Batman's the Joker. I mean, completely and utterly original. Utterly original. Whatever that character's name was. Jason Momoa uh, is his name. <laughs> entirely original. Jason Momoa. Do not steal. Donovan McNabb. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Donovan McNabb, the uh, the antagonist Dante. of the most recent Fast and Furious movie. Totally Dante, Dante McNabb, Dante Fast X, Reyes, Dante Reyes, Dante Reyes. Reyes. I got there first. You beat Google. Uh, entirely That's original. Impressive, yeah. Entirely original. Joker. Entirely original, inspired uh, by no one and no performance. Yes. But I think it's very important. We always rate these movies on a scale of... Well, we haven't really ever defined the scale. But we usually cover the movie's treatment of women. And the scale yes. usually has various spellings and, and capitalizations of the word problematic uh, mm-hmm. and we, we just typically look at how does the, how does the movie treat women as people, as characters in the movie and as just people in the movie's world. And I think this is a very rare occasion, John, cause I'm, oh. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I think this is the worst <laughs> treatment of women that we've ever seen out of this franchise. I don't think you're wrong. Which is uh, it, now, of course, there there were, of course, no buts. There were no buts. But, but terrible, terrible, terrible treatment of women. It, 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 yeah. Bo- borderline, like bo- borderline physical abuse of women on screen. Borderline sexual assault. Uh, I found in my notes where that first kiss, kiss happens. She slaps him across the face, and then he kisses. Uh huh. In response but, to know, the that slap, just shows how how cool they. That just shows how cool they are. With each I, don't, other. I, don't, I don't know about any of that. Um, so it's it's weird because we've praised uh, Connie Muldoon. <laughs> uh huh. We've praised Connie, her, her character, as being like very like kind of progressive for the time. She's she's, she's proactive. She drives. 
Um, it, it's like she's she's almost there. If it weren't for all of the times she was sidelined and manhandled and emotionally manipulated and just straight up gaslit. If it weren't for all of those other times, maybe the movie mm. would have a different sort of rating. But I think I'm going to have to stamp this with the very first ever, all caps, problematic. Yeah, I'm going to say all caps, almost all caps, bold, but maybe not that far. Yeah, uh, I I am a hundred percent in agreement. I was leaning all caps problematic myself as well. Yeah. Uh, so this movie has one unique distinction in that it ranks the highest in our most damning category. Absolutely, it, it's not a category you want to win, folks. Um, you really don't. Just God, I know it's a different time, but damn. Yeah, it's like I said. I I think that. It's tough to judge a movie through a modern lens, but when the movie is literally about something that's bad and we've all agreed is bad, yeah. like, th this is taking it too far, but, like, if a movie about, like, the KKK from, like, the 50s, you can hate it for just being what it is. Right. Like, you don't have to do the, like, back math, but, like, if a movie had, like, I don't know if Ca you can't get mad that Casablanca didn't have like trans representation as far as I know. Right. Uh, but when something is, is about a bad thing, you can judge it for being about the bad thing. Yeah, exactly. In, in this case, falling in love with your abuser and abusing women being okay and valorous and cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can hate it for that. Uh, before we get to the moment of truth, just a couple of fun facts I want to pepper in. Uh, John, in the first mm -hmm. modern-day Fast and Furious, 2001, a little guy named Brian O'Connor walks into a restaurant and orders a tuna sandwich. You remember the moment? I had this in my notes. Yeah. I had this in my notes. In Fast and Furious 1954, uh, Connie, whatever her name is, <laughs> Connie, what's her last name? Malone. Adair. Her name's Malone. Dorothy Malone. I wait. That's the actor, Connie Adair. Okay, yeah, Connie Adair walks Adair. walks into a roadside cafe and orders a egg salad sandwich. So close, so, so fucking close. close. They got they got the sandwich wrong. Damn, but uh, two weird sandwiches, right? I guess two is tuna weird. I think it's weird. I <laughs> well, you put me in a bit of a pickle. I would consider an egg salad sandwich to be very normal, but that's because I grew up uh, with white northeastern parents. And a tuna sandwich. But I think maybe a tuna salad sandwich is more common than a tuna sandwich. I but a tuna sandwich with the crust cut off? Ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, they both have very particular sandwich orders. It's a fun little nod to each other. And then uh, I would be beside myself if I did not include... Um, uh, two of Jamie's notes that she uh, she didn't insist I wrote them, but I wrote them down anyway. Um, in the opening, when all the cars were racing around, she just said, look at those fast, fast cars and the most bored, <laughs> expressing list. And then she, she wanted me to notice. She pointed out, and this is a, a genuine shout out, 
to the jazz music by the Chet Baker Quartet. Ah, yes, the Chet Baker Quartet. I had that in my notes as well. (laughs) That's amazing. Any other so cool? Any other fun shout out moments before we get to the 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 meat the 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 reason we're doing this? Um, not not anything else. I I will say, I will say, and this is a rare plus for this movie. We did give it all capital letters problematic, but it does have one thing over the Fast and the Furious two thousand one. No F slur. No F slur. Yeah, which is interesting because for the time they could be using it to say cigarette. There's really no better time for them to have dropped the F slur, and they didn't. They didn't use it at all, which is honestly kind of raises it a little bit, but not much because of that all caps problematic that's hanging over it like a bright flashing neon sign. Yeah, I'm just going to say, barely escaped an all-caps, bold, underline problematic. If there had been the F-slur, sure. Yeah. But, you know, you're you're on notice, the Fast and the Furious. Don't make any changes to this movie from <laughs> 70 years ago where you include a homophobic slur. Or you're in real trouble, buddy. Yeah, maybe that's what the pineapple juice was about. But we'll never bring up that again. We're not them. Of course, of course, never, yeah. Right. So now it comes down to it, John. We got two more things to do, one of which I think is more important than the other, because normally we rate things on a scale of like this weird seven-point sliding scale of gotta have more of it, please ban it from existence. I do not remember the nomenclature. I had COVID. My memory is gone. Uh Uh-huh. Do you remember that? So I'm just going to say it now. I don't even want to beat around the bush. Like it, love it, gotta have it. Right. Or? is Like it, love it, gotta have it is the increasing goodness scale. Yeah, and the other side? And then, of course, on the other side is dislike it, loathe it. Gotta have less of gotta it. Gotta have less of it. And, of course, in the middle is the null state, yeah. where we have no opinion about it whatsoever. I'm going to beat around the bush. Wait, no. I'm going to do the opposite of that. I'm going to cut straight through that push. And I'm Uh just going to say, I got to have less of this. (laughs) I don't need this. Okay, Okay, man. Here's here's my counter. Okay. We don't do that for Fast and the Furious movies. Oh! We do not. We do not use that rating scale. We have a bespoke rating scale. What's that? For Fast and Furious but, movies. You mean and just that is... a ranking? Yeah. Oh. How many of these have I been on? <laughs> 16. Is this, this is the 17th, right? Or did we do two at once? Well, actually, uh, no. Okay, wait, we split, Hold on. We split, we, split, we split the last minutes of Fast 7. So this is the 16th. Yes. All right. This is the 16th one. All right. Then damn, I should know this shit by now. Again, I had COVID. My memory is gone. Of course, yes. So uh, I I think maybe I could start with the ratings first, if you'll allow me. Uh, You know, let's shake things up. Let's let you go first. Okay. So uh, for my ratings, once again, I try to workshop this. I think I've had maybe six-ish months to come up with a new name for my rating scale yeah 
And uh, I'm going to call this John's Jaguar List. Oh, very straightforward to the point. Sounds really good. And of course, like um, all good lists, uh, I go from best to worst, as we do. As we always do. And number... As we always do, can't change it now. The best Fast and Furious movie with a bullet. And you might be surprised by some of these, Henry. Uh, the introduction of the Fast and Furious 1954 might have really shaken things up. Oh, really? Okay, do tell. Okay, so number one with a bullet is, of course, Fast Five. Right, yes. Perfect movie, no notes, it's great. Uh, number two is, of course, The Fast and the Furious 2001. Don't make any mistakes now. Oh, it's the one that started it all. It has that horrible slur in it, but it, it's... <laughs> you, know, you, gotta, you gotta love it. Uh, number three is, of course, The Last Five Minutes of Furious 7. I cry every time. Uh, number four is The Los Bandoleros 2009. Gotta love Vin Diesel at the helm of a film also some of these might have been my old ranking but i think i changed it <laughs> okay uh number five is better luck tomorrow number six is fast and the furious tokyo drift number seven the fate of the furious gotta love that sub chase number eight is of course too fast too furious ejecto cedo cuz number nine is fast x uh which came out the year that I did this, and I don't remember much about Fast X, but it was a bad boy with, with a bit of panache. <laughs> All we remember from that movie. Now the difficulty is after nine, it gets a little muddy. So we have F nine, the Fast Saga. <laughs> sure, uh, we have Fast and Furious six. Number twelve, we have Fast and Furious. Number thirteen, Furious seven. Uh, those last four, you can just change the order in any way you want. <laughs> like I, this, this is where I don't care about it. However, after Furious Seven, that's where I start to have grudges. Uh, number fourteen in the list is, of course. Let me go ahead. I am going to actually make a last-minute change to the rankings. Breaking news, folks. Um, because actually, my feelings about this change. Over time, oh, now I have to, I'm not going to re-fuck it. Okay. Number 14 has changed. Number 14 is now the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious. All right. Under now the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious is, of course, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, a movie that I like less as time goes on. <laughs> I see that. I see that. Uh, it has crept down the list steadily. Uh, and, of course, under Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw is number 16 on the list. 1954 is The Fast and the Furious. Uh, it is an odious film that is my least favorite entry in the Fast and Furious series. Hold on a minute, though. You skipped one. Number 17. You gotta be kidding me. My least favorite. <laughs> okay. My least favorite. Number 17 at the very end of the list is, of course, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Oh my god. <laughs> That's right. That's, so That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's so funny. 
I prefer a movie about a woman getting beaten over Fast and Furious Spy Racers. <laughs> Jesus. Can't blame him, folks. That's right. I'm making it clear. That is how I feel, and that is my definitive ranking until things change, and I like Hobbs and Shaw even less than I already do. Wow. There's a lot of similarities to our list. That is that is what I'll say. But before that's just the prelude, because now it's time to introduce. I workshop this with a team of top writers. My name for my list is now backed by computer science. John, mm. are you ready? Uh, you get you get one of those open AI rappers. You pay a startup a hundred thousand dollars for it. I poached the CEO of OpenAI to get... Oh my god, Sam Altman? I am the reason he lost his job. Because instead of working on his company, I went to him and said, I need a name for a list for the Fast and Furious rankings. Give me all you got. And he spent Uh months on this. Lost his job. (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah, I gotta say, maybe the board was... I, I, I was thinking maybe the board was in the wrong for firing him, but with this knowledge, I think they were maybe in the right. Wait till you hear the name of this list. Here we go. Everyone get ready. Here it is. My interstellar mock speed celestial pantheon, the colossal, grandiose, monumentally comprehensive, and unabridged chronological cataloging compendium of every Fast and Furious franchise cinematic magnum opus, unmatched, unrivaled, unveiled, and unrivaled again. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. All right, so I think uh, the top of our list is actually pretty similar because number one to this day, unmatched, unrivaled, and unrivaled is Fast Five. Best film Mm -hmm, of the franchise. Number two, I've got the Fast and Furious 2001, and I hate that I have to put that moniker on it now. Thank you, old movie that ruined everything. Of course. Even though with the F-slur, that tuna sandwich, still really good. Uh, number three for me is <laughs> that is the review I have left at the strangest <laughs> diner I ever went to. <laughs> number <laughs> number three for me is the last five minutes of Fast Seven because it always hits me out of nowhere at random times and kills me and I die. Number four for me is a is a is a little change up. Better luck tomorrow is super high on my list, and I, I guess that's just a good call. I'm, I, yeah, I mean, we're not too far off. Better luck tomorrow is five on my list. Uh, number five for me, this has got to be recency bias, because number five for me is Fast X, and I don't know why. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is where we disagree pretty heavily. Yeah, I got number six is Fate of the Furious. You know, got to love that submarine chase. Um, uh, so good. I need to redo this list, but it's too late to go back. Number seven is Hobbs and Shaw, a movie that... okay. God, there's going to be another Hobbs movie, and I don't know what to do with that information. Number, I, I think I think the last time we had this list, you actually said you needed to rework it because <laughs> I had reworked mine and you hadn't. And I believe you had had a similar Hobbs and Shaw realization. <laughs> it will keep happening, folks. Number eight is Tokyo Drift. Nah. Hmm. Number nine is Los Bandoleros. It's fine. Number 10 is F9, The Fast Saga. It's there. It's be- uh, of course, agreement there. 
Number 11 is Fast 6, a movie I do not remember. <laughs> yeah, also agreement, agreement in placing. Number 12 is The Rest of Furious 7, another movie. Is that the one where he hops from a tank? <laughs> no idea, dude. Number 13, The Turbocharged pre-sequel. Um, seems like that No, should, Fast should... 6 would be the one where he'd hop, because um, wasn't Furious 7 the one where Jason Statham kills, happens? Kills all the people, you're right. Yeah, so number yeah. 13 is the Turbocharged pre-sequel. Honestly, that should be a little lower. Uh, number 14 is Fast and Furious, the fourth movie. I just hate that one. I really just don't like it. Um, that's where they started using CGI cars, so I don't blame you. Yeah, yeah, I just really don't. I, honestly, that one should be the last on the list. At least 1954 used real cars, even with fake backgrounds. It's true. Uh, number 15 is Spy Racers, because of the bit that lasts forever. But, John, are you ready for a shakeup? Oh, I'm so excited for a shakeup. Number 16 on my list for the first time ever. Actually, it was the number 16 last time, too. Number 16 on my list is Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, okay. A movie I really did not enjoy. Uh-huh. Um, but is better marginally than... Oh, my God. This is, a, this is a first. Something has dethroned Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, number 17. And I don't, normally this is where the big pop-off happens and I go, do, 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 and I like make fun of the movie you love so much, but I just can't bring myself to do it anymore because number 17, Fast and Furious 1954, has robbed me of that joy. There is no yes. world I can put that higher than Too Fast, Too Furious. It's just, it's not conceivable anymore not even for the bit i thoroughly disliked watching this it is the shortest entry in in the in the in the whole franchise and yet it felt like it took me the longest to get through it was bad Listen, I the movie is 77 minutes long. I would take like breaks every 5 minutes to go like walk around the house and do anything else. There was I wanted to do anything else than watch this movie. So I feel you. Yeah, I I I just paused to yell at the screen or to look at my wife with a quizzical look. She was doing other stuff. So sometimes she would miss things and I would have to say like this just happened in this movie. And she was like, "What do you expect?" I was like, I don't know. Some decorum? <laughs> what do you expect? I don't know. Better? Better? Yeah. Maybe be Maybe anything better? So that does it for our rankings. We've ranked them all. A lot of similarities. I think maybe by the end of this, our list will combine into one master ranking list. My voice is going. <clears throat> it, it's entirely possible. that There was a great amount of drift... Now, of course, okay. we have to eventually figure out how we feel about Fast X as a team, but that'll happen over time. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe this next movie, the second half of Fast X, will uh, dethrone Fast and Furious 1954 as the worst movie of the franchise, but all I know is there's no disagreements here. Everyone, wash your mouth out with Fast Five. That movie is perfect. 
Yeah, it's it's the perfect movie. It'll rid you of sin. And the only thing that could remove it from the top of my list is if FFX2, the one with the dancing, uh, comes out and they, much like how Fast X inserted characters into Fast Five because it is dick riding on the best movie in the franchise, if they, if that movie, have flashbacks showing all the times the main cast of Fast Five was beating women that we didn't see. <laughs> Jesus. That oh, would God. recontextualize Fast Five and, and make me take it off the top of my list. But right. nothing else will, will dethrone it. And we're running out of Fast and Furious movies, Henry. I know. We're quickly coming to an end and quickly coming to the when we pivot and discover the Venomverse. But yeah, what an end of an era that will be. Yeah, I, I look forward to the Venomverse. Of course, there will be seven Hobbes movies, so we might keep doing this forever. God uh, willing. Right. Up, in, up until this point, to the best of our knowledge, would you agree? Oh, God. We have watched and reviewed. No, there's no there's no gotcha here. <laughs> okay. But to the best of your knowledge, I think, and I believe you think, we have watched all of the Fast and the Furious movies. Yes, I would agree. Movies. Okay. Yes. yes. Good. We are in agreement. We're in agreement. There's no more gotchas until a, a different coworker, shout outs to Drew, uh, points out that there's another movie called The Fast and the Furious. Yeah, uh, hopefully it's hopefully there's less woman beating mm. in it. Uh, but you know, who can say? Who can hold on? I'm seeing say. that based on the success of the Fast and the Furious 1954, the producer Roger Corman got a three movie deal. It's set with the same characters. It's not. It's totally different movies. <sighs> I know. I was so worried oh my, when I saw that. Oh my god. If we had to watch three more of these, I would have quit the podcast. But yeah. we know we've seen them all, and you've seen them all too if you listen to this. And we thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming along with us on this great Fast and Furious journey. Sorry we took a while to get here. <laughs> Yeah, we were driving um, old cars. Yeah, and berating whoever was in the passenger seat with us. Did they have seatbelts, by the way? <laughs> Absolutely not. Seatbelts will kill you. That's amazing. Well, if you've got any other Fast and Furious movies hiding under rocks, please send them to us. We'll watch them. Uh, and here's how you can get in contact with us. You can send us a tweet on Elon Musk's mollixsx.com at zcpcwhj which john understands what stands for uh that stands for zoom car that is correct uh if you've got a long library of fast and furious movies that you want to send us you can send us an email to zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com we will mark you as spam we're on a number of podcast services wherever you found us. That is great. Please keep listening to us there. If you have a way to leave a rating or review on that service, please do. It helps us out so much. 
but the most important thing you can do is just tell somebody else about the podcast. Tell your kidnapped person that you regularly manhandle or woman handle. It's the future. Tell a cop who pulled you over because your taillight's out. Tell your best friend, Bruce, who knows Elmo. You don't know Elmo? That's strange. I thought everybody did. The point is, tell somebody else about our podcast. Word of the mouth is the only way we can rev our engines. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Hospital that's just like... <laughs> a normal bed. We would like to wish you a happy week. Goodbye, everybody. Good car.